and they were dead behind the eyes. Oh, yeah. Like, and I was just like, I don't enjoy this enough to, like, sacrifice oh, myself yeah. for that. <laughs> of course. And it's the biggest lie people tell you is that that's where you make money mm. and the creative industry is where you're happy but you're broke. Mm. And that is the biggest lie people tell you because there's a layers of people who make it in the creative industry. How are they living? Huh? Mm. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. A lot of them have trust funds. <laughs> but I mean to say, like, if you, it, like, there is ways of you making money and sustaining yourself and having, living a very comfortable life in the creative industry. Mm. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Before we start, I want to take a minute to talk about my next book. You may have heard about the story of GameStop in January or February and thought it was all over. You're sadly mistaken. Unfolding Online has been a clash between the corrupt practices of Wall Street and the hive mind of the internet. It's a hot, raging information war pitting retail investors against financial giants swimming in corruption and fraud. The trailer is at the end of this podcast, but if you want to help crowdfund the book or just find out more, you can sign up to my mailing list to get access to a preview of chapter one or go to whenmoon.com to read more about the book. The first 200 people to pre-order the book will get a free pack of To The Moon crayons with their book. I just want to make a quick mention of our sponsors. Namecheap are one of the cheapest places on the internet to get a domain name for your next website. I've used Namecheap for all the sites I've ever purchased and I find it really easy to use. Spreaker are a rapidly growing platform for podcast recording, publishing, and monetization, with pricing plans as low as $7 per month. A cheap way to host your podcast and start earning from your back catalog of shows. Finally, ExpressVPN is the internet's most trusted VPN. Protect your privacy and watch and view content that is location locked. You can even try watching Netflix from a different country. And right now, they're offering 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN. Please use the links in the description below if you want to support the show. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with, oh, I'm going to butcher your name now, uh, Dahaba Laila Ali. Is that right? <laughs> it's Dahaba Laila Ali, yes. <laughs> okay, so I've got it right first time around. That's good. That's a good start. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. No problem. So yeah, I first I've I've been following you on on Twitter for a little while, uh-huh. and um, I first came across your yeah I first decided I like wanted to get in touch when I saw your tweet about like your story of of how you've ended up um, working for the BBC. So do you want to give people like a, an overview of of like or like yeah I don't know the TLDR of how you got here. <laughs> Um, I certainly can do that. Okay, so I, um, I guess should I start from my inception? I'll start from my inception, the story of my UK, to when I came to the UK. So I came to the UK when I was 10. My mother... From um, where? So from the Netherlands. So my mother fled the Somali civil war um, in East Africa. So when she moved, my mother moved to Somalia when she met my dad. There she had my four siblings and they lived there for a good few years um, in relative, you know, comfort and living a nice life. Um, then the civil war broke out and my mother had to flee. She then moved to the Netherlands um, and where she had me, essentially. I mean, I'm giving a very concise story. There was like, there's, there was, I, I'm missing out about an awful nine months where my mother had to sell all of her gold and pay smugglers and stuff. I mean, her story is pretty harrowing, um, but also awe-inspiring. Um, and then she had me in the Netherlands and we lived there for another 10 years. And then we moved from the Netherlands to North London, where I um, spent kind of the rest of my formative years in and around various council estates until the age of 18. when I was lucky enough to be granted a scholarship to study at the University of Cambridge. Um, I studied history at Magdalen College. It was fab. I think history is the best discipline ever. <laughs> <laughs> would recommend that everyone studies it. Um, I'm not biased at all, by the way. And I would... Um, and then I graduated and actually funny story people don't really know this about me I put this on my Instagram the other day I didn't go into journalism immediately so I graduated in 2017 and I actually took the smooth trajectory that many students um, fresh out of university take which is going into financial services I wore a suit weird I bet you can't imagine me in a suit yeah but, not really no but I wore one <laughs> it was crazy didn't do it very long admittedly and I very quickly realized that financial services was not for me <laughs> um, 
And then I left and I decided to do some consulting for the public sector. So I worked for um, NGOs and not-for-profit organisations and local authorities through a small consultancy, helping them do better, essentially run better, perform better, X, Y, Z. Um, and then at the same time, I started writing. So here we here we get to the journalism finally. I, I am going somewhere with this. <laughs> so I um, I did loads of journalism in my throughout my formative years and my university years, but I didn't really know where to start. I didn't really I knew what I wanted to be, but I didn't know how to get there because I didn't see anyone that looked like me, anyone that spoke like me. Mm. Admittedly, I now have the accent of perhaps an Oxbridge educated individual and maybe BBC journalist, but you know my <laughs> isms come out, mm. and so, and so um, it was very strange because um, yeah, I know it's begin but I started a blog basically where I wrote a blog all about the experiences of Somali women but I used feminist literature that I'd read about quote unquote was radicalized with um, <laughs> um, when I was studying at university because I did a gender paper so I would take the likes of Mary Wollstonecraft and I'd relate them to the lived and observed experiences of Somali women living in, a in the diaspora in the UK mm. Then I also, I pitched, I pitched her very first piece, which was all about, again, using my own observed experience, mental health in the Somali community to the independent. This was accepted. I then picked up more and more bylines. I then did something called an NCTJ, which is the industry's best kept secret. <laughs> because it's like, I didn't know you needed one of them, but I did it and it unlocked all these doors. Mm -hmm. Started working at the FT, Al Jazeera, picked up more bylines, started doing news shifts, started writing features. Then I started making radio docs for the BBC through an indie. Then I started do, working as a producer on news nights. I started doing TV, Politics Live, Westminster Hour, News Gathering. And then that brings us all the way up to present day where I just started my brand new contract at Panorama this week. Wow, this week? <laughs> yeah, I started on Tuesday. Okay, there was a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> um, why history? Because, okay, so I guess for me personally, if I talk about it from a personal perspective first, mm -hmm. I really like sinking into a very good story. Mm. And I feel like history is the best way to do that. Mm. You just read a history book and it's also colourful and imaginative and transports you to a different time and place. Mm. Um, but it's all real. <laughs> and that makes it even more exciting. But also I think the ability to construct and formulate arguments is key to a history degree and I think that's a skill that the, the ability to research construct and formulate your own argument effectively is a skill which can be applied universally and that's why history is, a, is the discipline that gives you so much transferable skills and if the Hi Cambridge history department can commission me right now I'd appreciate it I'm giving them a lot of advertisement <laughs> if you're listening yeah if you're listening uh, <laughs> so that's yeah that's a really stunning story you've got um and how you got there uh so what what kind of history did you study so again um at cambridge we didn't actually unfortunately we didn't get to specialize because we ha they call themselves the most wide-ranging history degree or it was when I was there anyway, they might have changed. But we didn't specialise when I was studying there. Mm. And so um, I guess the closest I came to specialising, because I didn't do a dissertation, I chose to do an exam, um, because I'm a masochist, um, was <laughs> also I... Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's not... Well, I mean... Yeah, uh, strange. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. But I did choose to do an exam. Then. But I guess the closest I came to specialising would be my special paper, um, which marginally makes up more of your final grade um, in your third year than the other papers and that was all about the Republic of Ireland and it was about right. yeah, it was all about studying the Republic of Ireland through the history of its minorities of which Catholics and Protestants were numbered as one but mm. so was the Jewish minority in, in, in um, Northern Ireland which is a micro minority which is very interesting, I thought. I have never met a Jewish person in Northern Ireland. That's uh, definitely a minority. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe it's just not obvious. I don't know, uh, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even, yeah, I've never met a Jewish person, I think, in Northern Ireland, at least, anyway. They've been around since about the 1800s. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for, for someone now. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I have to meet someone from, <laughs> from the Jewish community in, in Northern Ireland. <laughs> So you went to go um, work in financial services. Mm -hmm. So like what what made you do that in the first place? And then what drove you away? Was there like a specific moment? I think the youth call it dollar signs. Because, because the what, the, I think it was when, um, it was when um, I just finished. We're not that old. Yeah, no, no, true, true. <laughs> um, I feel very old though. <laughs> but 
I digress. I am. Um, I had um. So I I got a scholarship as I mentioned to go to university, and when I graduated, the scholarship also graduated from my bank account mm. and I needed money pretty ASAP <laughs> and they, they, they lull you in with money and when you're studying in your third year they just take you to all these expensive lunches and dinners and drinks and you're just like oh my god mm. maybe this can be my life I mean it definitely is not your life <laughs> but they paint you this image mm. and get you to sell your soul I only managed to sell a fraction of my soul in the end mm. but still <laughs> <laughs> no you're right that's exactly how it goes like i remember when i was i studied law and mm. politics yeah um and i remember getting like tried like well wooed yeah. the, the law firms like all the big law they firms they seduce you they would they came in and they took us out to dinners yeah. and they, they put on like i remember there was like cocktail classes and they, then they took us out on nights out and like yeah, booked nah. parts of the vip in some of the clubs and you'd yeah. be like oh this is pretty swanky yeah it's pretty cool yeah but then i was turned off by the um you'd go in and then they'd be someone who was taking uh doing a training contract they'd always have a couple of them there like yeah. the, you know the young people to yeah. you know also like make it sound to like it's fun and everything yeah but i remember looking at them and they were dead behind the eyes. Oh yeah! Like, and I was just like, I don't enjoy this enough to like sacrifice oh, myself yeah. for that. Of course, <laughs> and it's the biggest lie people tell you is that that's where you make money, mm. and the creative industry is where you're happy but you're broke. Mm. And that is the biggest lie people tell you because there's layers of people who make it in the creative industry. How are they living? Huh? Mm. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. A lot of them have trust funds. But, but I mean to say, like, if you, it, like, there is ways of you making money and sustaining yourself and having, living a very comfortable life in the creative industry. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, the thing that it is, is, is it's not instant. Yeah. Like, it yeah. takes, it takes a long mm. time to get to that point. But I mean, that's why the people who are successful get there is because they've, yeah. like, taken the time to. Of course. Not give up. Yeah. Basically. Um, but it's yeah like so then so you quit the you quit financial services then yeah was there something specifically that, that made you want to leave the culture <laughs> the culture like, okay so um, i've heard that like what do you mean specifically like i've heard some people like say it's a boys club i've heard oh, some yeah. people say that it's like horrendously depraved there's like way too much drugs like i mean Listen, the drugs and the alcohol is like you do you, okay? Like, so like, so like, if you want to take cocaine under the table at or like eleven a.m. on a Thursday, go ahead, sis. Like, I can't judge. Mm. However, what I can take great umbrage about is <laughs> is when you make sexist and racist comments. I think the babes call it misogynoir. <laughs> um, to, uh, to like to, to about me mm. that's what i could take great umbrage about and i feel like that's what people don't really understand i think it's the whole idea people always thought so i was actually promoted i was on a graduate scheme but i was promoted after six months and i think people got really upset about that and i think it was the fact that certain people on my team or whatever i'm not naming any names at where i worked but certain people about my in my team or whatever kind of there was this idea that i had ideas above my station or that i was you know thinking like outside of whatever box they neatly constructed for me to fit into mm. and I, the masters of the universe of course and in many ways they are in many <laughs> many ways they are because how sad however sad mm. it is but it's it was it was that and i think it was the comments that you know people would make to like for example my manager he would and this is i don't this is a this is a very sad tale <laughs> but my manager was essentially making all these very inappropriate comments towards me and very sexualized comments where he would ask me to go with him to the sauna for example uh like lunchtime great i'm going but he'd say it in a way that i was like oh it's, he's only joking you know like it's fine like why am i getting upset about it like it's just a joke like why can't i lighten up like she goes and it was um yeah so in the end i left best decision of my life so but i shouldn't have made be made to feel like that and i think you know you can accept both do you think that that comes with the nature of that work? Like, do you think that 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 the, the kind of like pomposity and like yeah, masters of the universe mm. like, sense and the sort of there's definitely like a bit of messianic complex in there and the mm. like. Well, I am God's gift to the earth, and therefore everyone should you know mm. want to spend every waking moment with me. Mm. Is that is that like part of the just can that be separated from it 
That's a good question. I definitely think perhaps they have... I don't know what it is about the financial service or like that kind of area. Of course, yes, money, <laughs> indeed. Um, I don't know what it is about that that like makes them feel like they have more of a right to say stuff like that. But So I call people like that and it is mostly men. I'm going to have to say it's mostly men. I'm sorry. Yeah, I that's call, the reality of Yeah, it. the men like that are like that. I like to call them fat cats. Mm. Because, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's not just me that calls them fat cats, but mm. it's just the easiest way, I think, of fact, like, just, the, just you know, the, 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 the general fat cats. Mm. And when you think of a fat cat, you think of someone who is older, who is, like, maybe wears braces, you know, it's like... You, you think of it as like a, a time that's like going mm. but I, I think they're still around like my manager was in his 30s like it, it's ridiculous mm. and he studied history mm. and he went to Warwick and mm. it's like and it's just like I have to be careful what I say now because you might be able to put them together through jigsaw identification <laughs> I'll stop right there but he goes but he um, but he essentially but then I, I've experienced the same people admittedly less so and perhaps they're a bit more reticent about what they say but in the creative industry, mm. like people have, people people have a real issue with confident with confidence and women of color mm. because people always it's the first thing people say. Why do you think that is? I, people love Beyonce. I know, but it's Beyonce. <laughs> does, does, is Beyonce n- n- almost not real? Is she almost like a caricature? Mm. Does that make sense? Like I feel like if you see like. I know people. People have a real problem with what, what, what comes with it. It's like it's the first thing people who don't know me will be like, "Oh, you're so confident." And like, I would say that I'm a fairly self-assured young person because if I am not self-assured and if I don't back myself, I have felt like in the past no one else will. Mm. M- maybe now it's a bit it's it's different as as I've grown older and formed more fruitful relationships. However, it's the first thing people say. Mm. It's like I wrote about it for Stylist magazine. I wrote about the strong black woman narrative. It's just, I remember, and I, I remember being in Berlin with my best mate who lives there now. She lives the coolest life. Hmm. But anyway, no, she goes, she goes, um, it's like she, um, her friend who literally I'd met 10 seconds ago was like to me, you're such a powerful woman. What about me makes you think I'm powerful, love? Hmm. Um, I mean, I guess um, from, from that, the kind of perspective of, of like the sense people get of someone, like you can, I feel like you can get a reasonable sense of someone's. Yeah not their whole personality but like you can definitely get a sense of what someone is like from the way they carry themselves and you you, like humans just pick that up like Mm. immediately like that's intuitive i think Mm. to us like we're and uh if if for probably probably for like a really predatory reason in that like uh, i don't know like ancient humans would have had to know who like who they could take basically is like who was a threat who who like to the to the tribe yeah to the to the outside like uh, it's it's something that's like quite built into us i think in like the the intuitiveness of like someone's character almost yeah yeah. no i i I accept i accept that and i concede that there is an element of that but then there's also the thing of when people say why are you so confident Mm. which is like why like there was some a former colleague of mine was like why are you so confident where do you get your confidence from mm. and it's a bit like oh, why shouldn't i be confident you're not asking mr bartholomew over there <laughs> why he's so confident it's like it's just stuff that i don't think it should it is applied universally sorry just no worries <laughs> it's just it's just stuff that i think should be applied universally mm. that's my main that's my main thing mm. yeah yeah, I mean, the, why do you think you are so confident? Because most people say that comes from like a, a well-rounded like childhood and family life where you've had, or at least maybe like a parent that's really like taught you to believe in yourself or yeah. something. Like, do you think yeah. that's what it is? I think it's a combination of my mother, who's always taught me that just because people have had better resources than me and better opportunities doesn't necessarily mean they're more talented. Mm. That's definitely something that she's instilled in me from a very young age. But also... I always say this to my mates and they always laugh. Like I'd say I'm more reckless than confident actually. <laughs> like I would actually really say I'm more I would say I don't give two flying monkeys. You can swear at them. Yeah, okay, I don't give yeah, I, yeah, I don't care. Like that's so, that's essentially me. Like mm. so when people say you're so confident and my friends laugh, they're like, She just doesn't really give a shit actually. And it's like <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, but, sometimes you need that. Well, you do because if if I were, and also so that being reckless, and also just thinking for myself that like, the thing is, if what do I have to lose? At the end of the day, I should just go for it mm. because I can only go up. Mm. God knows I can't bloody um, you know, 
be any more bottom of the pecking order in society if you go by you know mm. metrics yeah 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 i mean i guess that's slightly different now at least there's there's like some people who tend to go for like and i'm not saying this is why you've been successful <laughs> but like i don't know people tend to go for diversity for diversity's sake sometimes or some some places rather than like the the meritocracy that it was like at least idealized to be before yeah. do, do you know what i mean but, I do, uh, but, but yeah i'd say you're probably still on the money there with like saying that yeah black women are probably still fairly low down on the pecking order as you mentioned oh absolutely i mean i'm like like it's like Somali, I'm Muslim, I'm a woman, I'm working class. Wow, you're really ticking all those boxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, and, it's, and it's like mad because people are like, people are like, oh, whoa. Or like when you tell people, you know, um, I tell people where I studied and they're like, oh, how did you get there? I'm like, oh, you Do know people what? actually still say that? Oh, yeah. That's and it's awful. like, and my mum always says you should tell them that they like sent you a magic pony and you got on the magic pony and that's how you got there. And I'm like, why are you ask you stupid questions? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's actually it's insane. Would you, how did I get there? What do you want me to say that in exchange for sexual favours? What do you want me to say? <laughs> and like, just, just, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so maddening <laughs> so but you've 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 managed to get yourself to a point um so what what attracted you what attracted you to journalism i think telling the real stories that matter to most people because mm. i mean look news organizations are great and all news organizations have their pros and cons like all organizations mm. but i think there's a real gap with telling human interest stories in reporting and i felt like there's obviously incredible journalists out there who are doing it some not so incredible journalists who are not doing it but also <laughs> but also i feel like had I, again like had i seen someone like me who maybe speaks like me a little bit like obviously forget the one i've got my posh voice on but you know like one of those speaks a little bit yeah, who like three tequilas in your voice exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> on a saturday night and she goes um <laughs> But when I should, but like someone who's like maybe presents themselves a little bit like I do, not not a robot, mm. basically someone who's not a robot. Mm. And I thought it's me, <laughs> or like someone like me, and if not me, someone like me, but mm. also preferably me, mm. because there could be more than one, just like there's more than one robot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's why. <laughs> mm. So like, what does what does journalism actually mean to you? Because I don't know. I guess I, I've become a little bit concerned that we've like lost as a society the uh, like the understanding of like what a journalist is meant to do so like what does that mean to you to me if i'm speaking from a totally personal perspective and not displaying the views of my employer mm -hmm. is to um is to yeah, we should make that clear this yeah. is all your perspective this is all, this is all me yeah um it's so any anyone that wants to sue straight to you oh please yes you can take the five pound 25 <laughs> in my bank account gladly and she goes but i am um, I, I think what i would say is journalism is really just being reflective representative really if i'd say it's just being representative of society telling the stories that matter in the, the most representative way that you can and it's true because i feel like journalism can be more representative like there's a loads of stuff that, i mean this is the whole thing i do say on my twitter isn't it where i'm like there's so much that goes on in the halls of westminster that real people don't really recognize and you know i'll share it on my instagram and everyone will be like oh my god wow and i'm like or like i'll break it down to my friends in language we understand mm. and they're like oh my god you know that for example today there's there might be a cabinet reshuffle um, what's his face? That education I secretary. That. I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't on Twitter today. Yeah. <laughs> but like Gavin Williamson, the education secretary, he's still suffering from the fallout of the, um, what do you call it, A-level results day yesterday. Mm. He's been tipped to replace, there have been many rumours, he be replaced by the equalities minister, Kemi Badenoch. Maybe. In early, not now, so we can all calm our rampant excitement. <laughs> it's going to be early next year. But like, that's huge news. Mm. That's going to be the first black woman, who's also a Tory, who's in the cabinet. But she's also controversial herself. Mm. But also the entire government's education policy has been called into question. Mm. And should we? Yeah. We should care about who's going to be in charge of future students' grades, shouldn't we? Mm. Like, we should definitely yeah. care about that. Yeah, this year has kind of shown how yeah. much you can fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. And these are people's entire livelihoods. Mm. Like, as much... So, 
you know, it's so important that it just gets brushed under the carpet. And when it gets brushed under the carpet, that means there's no accountability. Mm. And that's that's a big problem. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> anytime I see the debate about the, the, the A-level grades, is uh, my mind always goes straight to that. Have you seen the Mitchell and Webb um, sketch? Um, so do you know David Mitchell and Robert mm-hmm. Webb that do the peep show? So they have a, a sketch about it's like, well, in this year's A levels, everybody got an A. I think <laughs> the whole sketch is how all the kids got an A, and it goes <laughs> around them, and then one of them's like, I got a ah, and, like, <laughs> and then it like cuts to the principal, and he's like, yeah. So why can't people just accept that kids have got empirically smarter by three to seven percent year on year, like clockwork, <laughs> with no dip ever? You know. <laughs> That's Which, so funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my mind always goes straight there because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get why the, the number of A's keeps going up. Maybe they're marking it easier. Maybe yeah. the kids are getting smarter. Maybe, Maybe the private schools are giving more of their kids A-stars. Maybe. I mean, that was one of the things that came out, right? Yeah. That, 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 that today when I was looking at the the numbers of people who had A's and it's like... So like was it seventy nine percent of private privately educated kids? Do you think that's like because of the coursework, or do you think that's like the pandemic showing what money has been able to do to like maintain the quality of kids' education? Oh both, because it was like a digital divide, wasn't it? Where mm. like kids couldn't even bloody well get on the mm. internet because I mean, for example, where my mom lives, okay, where my mom lives, it's like in this like it's it's all social housing. Explain to me why fiber broadband hasn't hit it yet mm. because i call up when i work for my mums and i'm like listen sky yeah at sky at sky be <laughs> like be like listen sky be like can we make the internet faster mm. and they're like no because sorry you don't have fiber in your area yet but it's coming soon mm. because poor people don't deserve good internet mm. that's essentially like, that's what you're saying mm-hmm. but it's like but then sounds like you want broadband communism well uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna comment on that but she goes but in um but then, 10, 10, 15 minutes up the road where I live, mm. I've got the fastest Virgin Media. Mm. Like my, my internet is so fast and I, and I get the cheapest one because I'm stingy. <laughs> so, it goes, so, 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 so like, what the hell? Mm. That's really disturbing. I know. It's only 15 minutes away. Like, are you more minutes. central? Um, no, in fact, I'm further away from the station. But because where I live is all private houses, uh. so obviously rich people deserve faster internet. Mm. It's well, crazy. that that seems fair, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, the, the the digital divide that kind of opened up, and it's very obvious. I mean, like stunningly, uh, I didn't hear this raised by basically any Labour MP for the last year. I I, I have not heard them. Do you know? You know, like shockingly, the only MP that I've heard like really addressing this, and maybe you can correct me on who on on that, but was uh, Sir Charles Walker mm. and he was uh, talking about you know don't don't forget like that it's very easy for us to fe- feel like this is easy when you know we're sitting in our nice houses that are paid for by the taxpayer and you know we've got mm. everything subsidized you know f- don't forget the yeah the poorest people in society are, are struggling with this a lot more than we are mm. and I was yeah kind of shocked that it was a Tory Sir, a lord, yeah, someone mm. with a with a knight <laughs> saying yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not one to comment for various reasons mm. on the political landscape. Mm-hmm. But I think again, one thing that I want that I would want to hone in with my political coverage is that it's not as black and white as Labour are great mm. and Tories are terrible, no, or Tories are great like and Labour are terrible. <laughs> and it, it's like it's confi- and the 2019 election like further confuddled the landscape because mm. of course the former what was formerly known as the red wall constituency is now called the blue wall confusingly <laughs> it's like it's like those mps that have taken those seats may not necessarily be traditional mm. conservatives they might so it, i mean it's, it's very confusing mm. but, and but oh yeah like what are you, are you are you able to comment on like what you think caused that like that 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 sort of that switch from like labor voters like traditional labor mm. voters like moving towards the conservative party it's a very good question and it's i mean it's a very good question as to why people switched over i guess the main reason is they just didn't really feel like labor was the party 
who could offer them what they need, which is economic stability mm. and economic prosperity. And also, mm. the thing is, people didn't think that Jeremy Corbyn would had a good economic policy, a good economic policy. They thought he was a madman in a, in, in a mad hat, and uh, uh, they they didn't really think that. And they did. Um, Shout out to Newsnight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and um, and they didn't. Um, they did with what you call it with um with the, the conservatives they ran a very convincing campaign especially boris johnson's leveling up agenda mm. which we still haven't really seen much of but you know saying i digress it, uh, sorry you're saying he lied oh i mean we just we just haven't seen it yet we've had a <laughs> lot of talk about it but we haven't really seen much action mm. but it's because um but you know it was an, it was a leveling up agenda i think where people thought that you know they would be on par with london Mm. It, was, it was the promise of metro mayors it was mm. it was all of that mm. yeah i know you definitely could be right there um so you have written like quite a lot about or maybe not quite a lot but i've seen you writing about um the you're sort of trying to amalgamate the ideas of islam and feminism in the same uh yeah in inside yourself basically <laughs> um, for lack of a better way of putting it but that's not something that most people would put together traditionally because you know i guess most people when they think um islam and feminism they think well thank goodness saudi arabia has just let women drive mm. you know like that's that's where they they see the the yeah that's where they see it. i guess a lot of people would maybe like go for that stereotype of of like islam being misogynistic in a way or at mm. least like oppressive of women mm. like oh what made you like go back because i i read that you'd like gone back and you'd like sort of reread some texts and stuff from from mm -hmm. the quran and um yeah you you realized or you you'd come to the conclusion that the two weren't incompatible like do you want to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that that journey and that mm -hmm. sort of like discovery yeah of course um so yeah i think you're right i think when a lot of people think about islam they think about the repression of women they think about the hijab being an oppressive tool mm. um etc etc and they definitely irritatingly equate islam with saudi arabia when saudi arabia is not islam and no. does not represent <laughs> all muslims no. but um with um with myself personally i felt like i'd always i'd grown up obviously muslim i went to um islamic lessons when i was growing up mm. um i learned the quran i can read quranic arabic i can write quranic arabic no way. um That's yeah cool. i can read the quran in tajweed which is like i don't know i wouldn't really know how to explain it but it's like tajweed is like if it's a like god tier of reading the quran <laughs> levels <laughs> levels of reading the quran so you can read the quran and you can read it in tajweed which is like how it sounds nice and stuff mm. um but i very quickly i mean i used to wear the hijab when i was growing up which is and then i stopped when i was 16 um which at the time i felt like it was very old that i stopped wearing it like 16 but now i'm like whoa i was so young when i stopped wearing it um but i um i decided once i got a bit older and decided you know all the usual stuff like discovered mini skirts and boys and <laughs> and stuff like that i was like mm. i just definitely felt like i was doing something really wrong mm. and then i was like well am i doing something really wrong or like why should i it just it was born more it made mostly out of defiance actually because mm. i thought why should i leave the religion mm -hmm. that i grew up in that i ultimately love because some uncle somewhere has condemned what i do mm. like why should i do that and then that's when i was like it's like the whole stuff of like is agency and i think islam is used just like any other tool to to control mm. women it's like it's, it's, it's a power tool and just like i don't know i'm not that well versed on it considering i'm not catholic but let's say in the same way maybe the catholic church did a few hundred years ago mm. or maybe the way um yeah saudi arabia currently does if you use saudi arabia as a secular state and take away the religion side of it mm -hmm. but it's like it's just a tool that some wayward people use to oppress women mm -hmm. and once you strip it back of that and you actually read it for yourself instead of listening to whatever imam has decided mm -hmm. to sprout some bullshit that day <laughs> then you see that it's not like for example the fact that apparently a man can marry four four women mm -hmm. that's doesn't come from the Quran that comes from what you call the Hadith which is the way the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him used to live his life mm -hmm. and he married four women but he married four women he married his first wife 
He was much older than he was and had a lot of money. Mm. Then he married his second wife with her permission because she didn't have any, um, she was like broke essentially and like didn't have anywhere to go and stuff. So they took her in and she was more like adopted rather than like married. And then it's like the whole thing of like, the way men could marry four women back in the day because they didn't have any rights unless they were married to a man. So it was like, but that doesn't come from the Quran, it's mm. the Hadith, it's just a story of the way the Prophet Muhammad used to live. But some people have decided that they want to live their life like that, which, you know, whatever. But at the mm. same time, don't go around telling telling women that you're going to marry three other women. Mm. Yeah. And like, it just, it just made, it, it's all to do with like, and then it's the whole thing of like haram. So it's like actually very few things are actually haram. Like very, a lot of it's just like not advised really. Like would rather you didn't do it. But like actually haram is stuff like adultery and murder. Okay. And then like and like and people are like, oh, that's haram. And people throw that word around, and it's like it's not really. Like mm. so, yeah. It's just, and then I think I read once I started reading it for myself, and I started like thinking about it, and then I was like, well, this is fine. I can reconcile my life with feminism, and yeah, I'm not going to hell. I don't think anyway. Well. Not. Well. Yeah, well, we'll see. You're not done yet. No, not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, all the most fun people are probably there, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, so, right, forgive me uh, for my ignorance. No, that's right. So, what is the, so the the hadith, you Mm -hmm. said, Mm -hmm. is that what, like, um, Wahhabist, like, more extreme mm. Muslim states are yeah, based yeah, on yeah. compared to the Quran. Which, yeah. Is that... Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like the ones that wear the ankle swingers, because Prophet Muhammad وسلم, used to wear that, and it's like... Ankle swingers? Yes, yeah, you know, very short trousers. I don't know if you've ever seen... Oh, them. right, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, back in the day, they didn't really have a sewage system, love. That's why you used to wear trousers. Or, like, the ones they sleep without their, like, the windows so they can watch the sun, so they can... And I like, sleep without window uh, curtains because mm. Muhammad used to do that. And peace be upon him. And like, that's fine, but like he never used to have like a proper like clock. You've got a smartphone, love, with an alarm, so you can track. You don't need to track the sun. You can like you can you can use your phone, love. It's fine. Mm. And it's like it's it's just messed up. Mm. I mean, I guess that's something that that like a lot of people kind of get caught up in 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 following like religion mm. to the to the letter. Yeah. Um. Like for example, like I can only speak about like really de- more detailed about christianity just because yeah. that's the the, yeah, the the religion that i was like brought up with so um my understanding at least now is mm. that like the, the rules or the yeah the the sort of like rules and you know guidelines set out in the bible are like a are what like six thousand years of like accumulated human wisdom as to like how to have how to have like a good society basically mm. and uh, like some of those rules can still apply because like humans haven't changed but some of the rules are just silly to try and apply because mm. some of the things are no longer you know dangerous like for example um i think someone had brought up that like jewish people don't eat pork but pork like thousands of years ago was like really dangerous to, mm. to eat because the like the storage you know they didn't have fridges um and that that's one of the reasons that that they like suggested not to eat pork or there was like certain types of cloth and i can't remember what the what the the fabric thing was but that there's like certain things that like can still apply because we're like not cognitively different to the people who are writing them Mm. but like the society we now exist in makes some of those rules obsolete Mm. yeah yeah i agree i think i think it's true i think people i think people need to just like use sense <laughs> I think that, that, would, that would be my that would be my my, my takeaway from it so use some sense mm. <laughs> but it's just yeah I mean in terms of like women and feminism and Islam I just think yeah it's bad like I get I get loads of abuse all the time like especially now that my profile is growing it's like I get so much abuse from like men who tell me to like it's just misogynistic and it's very islamophobic actually so like it's like telling me to like cover up or to wear my hijab or why don't i remember one time when i get a message like why does my husband something about my husband shutting me up i was like i'll tell him once i find and marry him <laughs> to tell me to shut up because i don't i don't have one but i guess but it's um or like you know people when i used to write quite frequently for the independent people would comment under my articles i remember one time was like someone goes ah 
it's the independent resident Somali ingrate. And I was just like, and I was just like, he knows who I am. I was like, he knows who I am. I was literally, I was literally, I was literally, oh, I'm quite famous. But I was like, but like, also, that's rude. <laughs> Can you not? But, but yeah, it's just stuff like that. It's like telling me that I'm ungrateful because I talk about structural inequalities. Mm. It's like, so I should be allowed, I should be happy to breathe the same air as you. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, it's it's mad. You just get That's loads of horrific comments. Why do you think that is? Because like I, I have been like trying to rack my brains yeah. and figure out like what is going on with the abuse people get online. Mm. And I have not yet come to any better conclusion than it's either bots and people trying to stir trouble or like like a group of really, really depraved or like mm. sad people who have nothing better to do but yeah. like i i don't get it like like yeah. the, the 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 what happened after the and i talked about this actually earlier on the podcast um with with claudia fior um we were talking about the the, the abuse that some of the footballers received mm. after the after the world cup final um and i was like what is going on here why is this like a dominating the news for two days and like what are these like anonymous accounts trying to achieve mm. here and uh, like i don't i don't understand what's happening basically yeah. with those like did, did, did you ever think about like what the motivation is behind like when people are are, are being abusive in that way towards you I mean, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? And it'd be really difficult for me to attempt to dive into the psychology of these mm. online trolls. Mm. But I think in Might my I give it a go. <laughs> I think in my case, I think definitely people. It's a, it's just very gendered, isn't it? Like mm. again, it's what I was saying earlier. Like why she's why is she speaking? It's just mm. like to silence women. I think it's just to silence women of colour. So she's to silence women who call out a system that may work necessarily in their favour, mm. may not work in other people's favour. Mm. Um, Has it worked I, in their favour if they're sat at home yeah, trolling you from like? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I've never met yeah. a successful person who trolls on the internet. Like Elon Musk is probably the closest that we're gonna get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it's really, it's just it's really weird. I don't know. I just feel like, but then as well. I mean, I have to say that I do get it from my own community quite a lot as well. Yeah, like all the whole time, just like people who like you know tell me to cover up. Where's my hijab? Someone someone was like to me, oh, can you um? I'm like really interested in what you have to say, but can you put your tits away? I was like, well, you're not that interested in what I have to say, are you? <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was like, that's so rude. But um. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like common sense all the time. Like, you know, yeah, it, or like, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because, frankly, I just ignore it, which I know shouldn't be like. Oh, I think that's the best. But... I think that's the best. Yeah. Because like, I don't know. I, the reason I got like annoyed about the about the racist comments was like, obviously, like that's wrong. Yeah. Racism is blah, racism is bad. I've never met anyone who's tried to argue that it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I got a bit sort of mad at like the entire like British media for um, deciding to have two days worth of coverage about it. I was like, these people don't deserve that uh, airtime. Yeah. Do you know? I like. I feel like ignoring that is the is the best thing to do because they're like it's like a baby who wants attention yeah do you know what i mean i do know exactly what you mean but i think that kind of needed to happen because policy needed to change and policy doesn't change unless there's enough media pressure mm. well obviously sometimes it does but sometimes you also need a lot of media pressure mm. and i think that's when the government actually started doing stuff and like applying pressure on these social media um giants like instagram and facebook and twitter mm. to actually do something about it um, and I, so I know what you mean and for the most part that is the right approach to take but at the same time like why are these people why do they have a platform mm. if you're consistently sprouting like I know there's like there's a couple this is like nowhere near the same amount that like Marcus Rashford or, mm. or, or people get but like there's a few and I would say about six or seven Instagram accounts and I know they're fake and I know they make them all the time to message me because they've got no followers and they're not following anyone apart from me Okay, and like I block them mm. and they just make new ones mm. and they send me abuse mm. and like again and again and again and again and it's like, like I know I went viral about a week or so ago about about some about um, where I tweeted about my new contract at BBC and for the most part the comments were so nice and then like clockwork people were like and it would be all about like 
you're in, like you, I wouldn't call it an achievement because you work for the BBC, you dumb bitch. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's, it's like that, and it's just like, oh, okay, that's, yeah. that's a bit much. And it's like, you should have stayed in your cockroach investor account. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like, it's like, it's like, who do you think you are? Like, you fucking liar. Like, all the, like, just like loads of shit. Like, it was just, it was mad. But wow, I know. that's stunning. Yeah, I don't. And the thing that really gets me is like, it's like why. How does that get through whatever filter that that mm-hmm. like Instagram or Facebook have? Because, like they they're they're able to like if you mention like um, I've seen people like who've posted about shots like drinks shots yeah and then they get like a COVID like information thing oh on the bottom. yeah yeah and yeah. it's like if you can detect that mm. like what are you doing that you can't detect like racist slurs or really abusive posts like what way is your thing set up like where are your priorities do you know yeah, what i mean I know. I know it's crazy it's completely crazy yeah but um i don't know i guess i'm not really sure what we do with that but um <laughs> the uh one of the other things i want to ask actually like uh when we were talking about um islam and it's like compatibility with like say, things like feminism uh was that uh one of the one of the arguments that i saw online before was um do you know who sam harris is he's a he's like an american intellectual author podcaster um so he's written a lot about like artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that and he was talking about some like pew research polls about like attitudes in majority muslim countries Mm -hmm. that would think to things like the the charlie hebdo shootings Mm -hmm. and he was like look like i can't remember what the specific number was but it was way higher percentage than than should be probably or would would be accepted like in the the developed world or whatever it's like 40 percent, i think were people were like in those countries were fine with the charlie hebdo shooting and he was like making the point he's like right okay that's fine that's their country their beliefs think what you want that's your religion but he was also saying he's like look how how do we like reconcile these things because like obviously like in in the developed world like we think people should have the right to to sort of say what they want basically Mm -hmm. like that's that's our like thing Mm -hmm. um and he was trying to figure out how we or trying to have a discussion at least anyway about how we like try and reconcile those two ideals so you've got like more extreme versions of of perhaps of like islam um like wahhabist states and he was like how do we how do we accept that those places are you know they're that they're fine to have like Mm. that's their own country their nation their religion fine like how do we how is that or how do we find that to be compatible with like western or like not even western i don't like that term developed like the developed world's like tolerance basically mm. like like where do we find like a balance yeah. uh, this could be a really difficult question <laughs> no i scratched actually i have a very straightforward answer for this okay sam harris fellow mm. should tell his leaders mm. to have a chat with those countries leaders because they're best buds because <laughs> they are best buds in it mm. usually they, they, they should have a word with each other mm. maybe when they're having a whiskey or a cup of coffee because by the way all saudi arabia saudi arabia leaders drink alcohol just do it secretly mm. um and then they should um all saudi Arabians do not drink alcohol i don't know this please guide that out <laughs> basically they're best that was not that was a joke that was okay. a joke that was a joke the, Sa- the saudi um saudi the so they should because at the end of the day this polling that they're doing mm. is because of the information that is disseminated across mm-hmm. their society mm-hmm. that's through their public networks mm-hmm. that's through their public broadcasters and who controls all of that the government mm. and so it's not it's not Mohammed who runs his barbershop he's not it's not his problem it's mm. not his notion mm-hmm. that that needs to be reconciled with Mary from Slough's <laughs> It's Sheikh bin so-and-so mm. and Joe Biden mm. who need to have a chat 
Mm. It's because uh, mm. that's the truth, isn't well, it? I mean, Joe Biden's not going to say anything, is he? Yeah, but I mean, but that, but that's that, that's what it's because like because we were like, oh, what do we do when we? It's, it's when it's when you have these intellectuals like that, and I'm sure he's great. Mm. I'm sure he's fantastic. Mm. I mean, but, I don't agree with everything he says, but, but I, he's at least I I appreciate that he tries to think deeply about yeah, things. Yeah, but a bit too deeply, really, because it's it's like when you pontificate. It's his job, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you pontificate. Do and it's like it's like no, it's fairly straightforward. Like these people are just consuming information that is being sent to them mm. through their governments, autocratic governments that is, mm. and so they need to have somebody to have a word of them, mm. and then Bob's your uncle. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's a pretty straightforward way of putting it. <laughs> Um, so uh, then I think yeah we've got, we've got a little bit of time left. so what is the biggest problem facing our generation ooh climate change climate change yeah absolutely how optimistic are you that we can deal with this well I think we're just not going to have a choice really it's to the point where I, I, I do I'm, I'm quite an optimistic person call me stupid but i like i just thought it's going to get to a point where like corporations and billionaires are going to be like well we can't continue making as much money as we're making mm. because the world has ended mm. so it's gonna so i think they'll push it as far as they can don't get me wrong mm. i don't think any major change will happen we've got cop 26 coming up mm. maybe that will change but i mean i wouldn't hold your breath <laughs> but um but yeah i think yeah i mean we've, we just i think the bottom line is we absolutely have no choice do we Mm. No, we just have no choice. Well, I mean, the thing that scares me, and this is something that 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 unites both Naomi Klein and Alex Jones, is that they both believe, like this hilarious, that they yeah. both think the same thing. Actually, I really enjoyed that that little crossover. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that they both believe that the 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 super rich basically are j- just planning to leave this. That's what it all not even, face. Not even specifically to leave this planet but like that is one of the things that people say but they're basically that they're, they're planning to like hold themselves up in their little bunkers or their little like gated communities and they will not suffer the consequences in the way the rest of us will basically that they are breaking yeah. away from the rest of civilization yeah. in a way that they're just and that they won't do anything because they're, they're they will just hoard the money Build the walls nice and high. Yeah. Get themselves like a nice oh, sort of God. spot high up on the mountain. I'm not gonna sleep tonight, Josh. <laughs> I'm gonna be dreaming about this new fucking dystopia that we're gonna be living in. Well, I mean, I think you gotta like. Confront I don't have any survival it. skills. <laughs> if, if Armageddon happens, I will die five feet away from a cafe Nero. <laughs> I'll just lie down and wait for death to claim me. Uh, uh, I've got no survival instincts. Uh, well, I mean, maybe it's like a positive thing to want to like try and find yourself so, some, some like yeah survival. survival skills. Do you know how long I lasted, Duke of Edinburgh? Do you know how long I lasted? Three days. They well, that's made, like silver, they, right? No, it's not because, yeah, because it was three. three days. It's, no, because you have to like do loads of like. No, no, I mean three days of, like the whole program, not like I was like, I mean, you know what, you know, you know, you know what pushed me over the edge? They made us make hot chocolate mm-hmm. on like this fire that we like constructed of like this gas canister thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's a no from me. <laughs> I was like, a no from me. Look at these nails. I, I will honestly, I'll just. Did you end have those it. nails on Jugavet? And unfortunately not, but I mean now, I mean, and you know what? I was younger then, I cared less about my money maker now <laughs> no, I, like I, I honestly I won't it's not for me but please continue but also I will be ducking out of life but also please continue <laughs> uh, I mean no I feel like you got a, I think that to imagine that the billionaires are going to fix it basically I think is is not a good a good uh, good plan Oh. I think we gotta we gotta like force them into some sort of action which is why I quite like Extinction Rebellion I mean a lot of people get very mad about about their protests but I mean they've caused not they, like I mean what they did their, their, they like shut down London but mm. were you know at least kind enough to uh, leave routes for emergency vehicles yeah yeah um, I thought it was hilarious when they glued themselves to the front of, of uh, some of the buildings down in the financial district <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I guess hopefully we can we can deal with it. It's uh, what would you do if I was a yeah, like you're you're um, you said like imagine you're some omnipotent yeah benevolent you know ruler of the country or maybe yeah. even the world yeah but, you know fun to say yeah what would you do about it? 
Okay, so have you ever seen Jim Simpsons? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> do you remember there's a bit where like there's like they used to do these weird trippy like alternate universes where like there'd be like these giant like creatures that would like or there'd be like the how the how how's this supposed to explain this? Basically, I would be the overlord. Mm-hmm. The rich would have to work the land, <laughs> not for long. I'm not a sadist. It would only it'd only be for about ten years. Okay. And. Basically, I would just like rework society. I'd take us right back to an agricultural society, just for a little bit, just so we can learn, we can, you know, learn, we can, people have, we've forgotten how to work hard, haven't we? Mm. Everything is at the tip of our fingers. I mean, the pandemic kind of taught us. Like, I remember when I was like, I remember at the start of the pandemic, and I was like, I can't just go out for an arm cross on a coffee. I was, I was like, what's happening here? But it's true because you forget because, mm. and everything we wanted, we could have. Mm. And it's like, just like, come do some bearing. Mm do some fruit wait six months eat your fruit and then like hopefully that will remind us of what it was like to take care of mother earth because it's a blessing mm. and then we go back to real life and then every so often when the generations die out and people start moving mad again and we go <laughs> i'll take us right back and i would just live like that and and then the earth would be so happy mm. the earth would be like love you dahaba mm. <laughs> well, i'm sure it would say that if we could speak <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, Mother Nature probably does. No? Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't like your nails. Well, yeah, maybe she, like <laughs> maybe she doesn't like the fact that, you know, I'm not very good at recycling. Having said that about climate change. Mm. But it's tricky because, you know, in my flat, you can't recycle. Yeah. I mean, recycling, like, I think, like, that was one of the biggest red pills I ever took when I found out that recycling was so energy intensive. Yeah. And that, like, when we say recycle, most of the time we mean ship it to Turkey. Oh, like, we don't gosh. mean recycle um like one of the things that i loved about when i lived in austria was just even just like when you buy like a crate of beer right Mm -hmm. they're really big on like you buy the crate Mm. you get all the bottles you pay a deposit with the bottles and you bring the crate back you put it in the little machine you get your like five euros back and i was like this is awesome with coke as well yeah it's so good europeans in some things Mm. are doing better than us Mm, yeah yeah no they, they, they've definitely got some things like uh, i asked because like austria is especially like they're so they love their their they love their country mm. like and i don't mean like they love like the idea of their country which they do yeah. but they really love the the, the the physical ground upon which they walk That's and nice. i can get it it's beautiful and, and like I, I wouldn't say it's more beautiful than the united kingdom but like it's definitely stunning yeah um, lovely like uh, I, I don't know i find like all places got their own sort of beauty to them oh but... that's lovely josh <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, no well i mean definitely not hull i mean i bet there's some times when hull looks beautiful yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> no i bet that there is because like i don't know like uh, belfast can be very gray yeah um but i've lived there I've lived in Austria and like both of them I find really beautiful. I get really annoyed at like I think people get very like down on where they live. They don't yeah. re- realize like how beautiful the place that they have is. Yeah, and how lucky they are, mm. especially if you live in, you know, this side of the land. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like I mean anyone like I mean you could live in like a bloody you could live in like I could be I could be in Somalia right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm not you know, saying Spanish is terrible, but it is war torn. <laughs> so pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's quite dangerous, actually. So, so they're, they're, they're getting bombed right now by yeah. the US government, aren't they? For some odd reason. Someone walks like me, talks like me, probably won't fare that well. No. <laughs> yeah. No offense, I get the feeling they'd probably eat you alive. They'd probably eat me alive as well. Yeah, but. Well. <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean, but let's take the positive from that and just say we're very lucky to live where we are and when we do um, in this time. I mean, I get, I like to try and, as much as I can be pessimistic about climate, I like to try and remember that we uh, we live in what I think the most diverse, one of the safest, most prosperous societies that has ever existed. And I like to re- try and remind myself of that. It's like, could be a lot worse. We could be yeah. in 100 years ago. You know, we'd be like exactly. working 14 hour days with no health and safety regulations and yeah. no breaks. And... Oh, God, sounds like a shift I used to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, no, you are right. It's good to be positive. It's definitely good to be positive. Mm. I mean, that's not to say that like Britain is perfect and we can't yeah, improve it. Yeah, of course, it. of course. But yeah, um, I think we are just about out of time. Um, but 
Uh, do you want to plug some stuff that you're working on? Tell people where to find you, Twitter, things like that before we finish? Yes, I would love to plug myself, actually. Um, I'm working on quite a few exciting projects at the moment. Unfortunately, I can't mention a lot of them, but you can find me on Twitter where I will be mentioning them and my Instagram, which is Dahabalayla Ali. Um, that's D-A-H-A-B-A-L-A-Y-L-A-A-L-I. Dahabalayla Ali. Just a lesson in how to spell my name just then. <laughs> well, uh, I will put links in the description below for anyone. But yeah, um, Dahaba. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast. <laughs> Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. Don't forget our sponsor, ExpressVPN, and my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, can both be found in the links in the description below. And also, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It's the best way to help us grow. Until next time, thanks for listening. Screw the hedge funds. You can make as many rules as you want, but if there's no teeth behind them, what's the point? Like Citadel is potentially just gone in a few months. It feels like financial institutions, that they are all laughing at us by buying GME. <laughs> Screw the hedge funds. Like, I will lose my entire investment if it brings them down. Why on earth, last May, could you buy the entire company for $200 million? What's been happening on Reddit and in social media and in the marketplace? has never been seen before. I argue that nothing is off the table. There is nothing off the table when dealing with the volumes of money in something as big as the United States uh, stock market. The hedge funds have clearly underestimated a group of a group of people raised on Friday night World of Warcraft rates. Dark pools, they are they're another uh, mechanism to manipulate and cheat. Mainstream journalists don't say these things for a number of reasons. Uh, one is their sources are the people that I'm talking about, and so they can't call somebody a crook. Super Stonk and the other communities that have emerged are a hive mind, the likes of which we have never seen before. It's madness and brilliance, insanity and genius all rolled into one. It's very possible that Citadel will be gone in a few months. And, and not just Citadel, but the entire financial system has the potential to come crashing down. These crooks continue to gamble recklessly with the world economy, and this could be the moment that they finally get their justice. <laughs>